0: Prosperity drives electricity use. electricity drives prosperity.
1: Welcome to today's episode of um, African Podcast. On today's episode, we have a very strong evangelist for clean baseload electricity across the globe. Robert Bryce. On today's episode he is going to give us interesting um perspective on his um book that he has um, written and also the movie Juice How Electricity Explains the World. He's going to be telling us a lot about um the focus on electricity and how it affects developing countries and also the work he has been doing. So uh, I would like to ask um Robert please um to introduce yourself.
0: Sure, happy to. Uh, well, first, thank you for having me on the podcast, um, my uh, had a few technical challenges we uh, worked through, but uh, we're, we're here now. So, um, so who am I? My name is Robert Bryce. Uh, I'm a dad, uh, three, my wife, Lauren, and I have three great kids. Uh, they're all grown and out of the house, uh, but all doing well, Mary, Michael and Jacob, um, married to Lauren, we've been married for 35 years, and uh, been a very lucky man. And um, uh, on my professional business, I'm an author, a journalist, a podcaster, I have made a film, um, and I write about energy, power, innovation and politics. And so that keeps me busy. I've uh, published six books, uh, uh, several, oh, more than a thousand articles, and uh, uh, there's a lot going on both in the U.S. and around the world in, in energy and power. So how's that? Is that, is that good enough? done so much justice to that question and uh, I was going to delve more into it because I was reading
1: about um, your book on um, uh, uh, the one you wrote about power and how it affects the world and energy kind of so uh, you, you talked a lot about um, I saw the introduction and your purpose of actually writing that book was the experience you had about Nigeria. Can you tell us a bit about how you kind of um, transcended in that kind of experience and like developing your uh, plots for that book and the movie as well?
0: Sure, sure, of course. Um, So... uh... Now, I'm in my I I just turned 61. So I'm an old guy. Right. But I remember many years ago and it was decades ago that there was a very popular news uh, television program in the United States called 60 Minutes. And uh, they uh, this is decades ago. I remember that one of their uh, reporters was in Lagos and he was reporting on the electricity situation in Lagos and talking about. And it was kind of, you know, kind of this, you know, this head shaking kind of white guy goes to Africa like what are these crazy people doing right they didn't have an, you know his point was that they didn't have enough electricity in Lagos and that there was a big bank of batteries in one of the warehouses that used for backup power and then in 2016, I read an article in the New York Times about continuing power shortages in Nigeria. And I thought, well, why is this? Why is this country that has so much, so many people, so much intellectual capacity, so much great oil and gas wealth, why can't it manage its own electric grid? What is the problem? And so that led me to then, uh, I got a contract for, well, this book, um, A Question of Power from my, uh, my publisher um, and uh, started working on the book, and as I started nice working book. on the book, uh, I uh, decided. Well, I'll make a I'll make a documentary too. How hard can it be? And well, it was pretty hard, but <laughs> I got it done. But, but the but it was uh, Nigeria really was the the the, the 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 thing that the catalyst that made me think. Well, why is this? What why are some countries able to electrify and others not? And Nigeria still has its challenges in in, in getting enough electricity. And uh, uh, that was one of the reasons why I, uh, I did these projects. Thank you so much. Uh, what
1: do you think um, you will do if um, you take another cursory look about the situation in Nigeria right now and taking a look at the book you have written? Do you think um, you will still emphasize what you emphasized previously or you think a solution is closed or maybe um, giving some new ways of solving the energy challenge? Do you think um, anything will change maybe from what you observed or wrote about in the in the book because, because i'm i'm really, really very much i'm um, concerned about like uh it's because the, the last time we tried to talk um uh, we, we actually had some electricity challenge due to the grid incapability to handle some um natural uh do i say um events because when it rains sometimes they have to off the light from the grid because of some uh, uh, because it's not able to handle that kind of um, natural um, um, event. So uh, we still have some long way to go, if I would say, from my analysis. But um, at some point, I think we have gotten it right somehow, because some places tend to get some light and there are some um, independent solutions. Sorry for taking so long to actually explain no, no, the point, no, no, but I know no, no, you are quite understand what I'm driving at. Yeah.
0: Yes, of course. Well, sure. I, I think this was something that is not unique to Nigeria and okay. one of the things in going in going around the world we went to Lebanon we went to India Puerto Rico Colorado New York uh, Iceland what are the three imperatives for uh for a successful electric electricity system? Yeah, well, it's integrity, capital, and fuel. And hmm. unfortunately, the problem in Nigeria, and this is something I'm not not saying something that I don't think will offend you. The problem in Nigeria and other countries where the the, the electric grid is weak, is that the society doesn't have integrity. That there are that leaks too much. Right? You have corruption, and this is not again not unique in Nigeria, but. Wherever there is a lot of theft, wherever there's a lot of corruption, as I put it in the book, theft is the enemy of light. And when people get into a political power situation where they can take some money, oh, it's just a little bit, and then somebody else takes a little bit, everybody takes a little bit. Well, then there's no money left, and this is the problem that you see in Nigeria and India, other places where the the in Lebanon, uh, Iraq, where where electric grids are problematic, where they're you know the the lights don't stay on all the time, where people have a lot of small generators. This is what they have to do to keep electricity going because they have to have their own electric generator in order to make sure that they have have power. So this is a problem that's still and this has not changed at all in, in my view. And it's a problem now in the United States, the integrity of the political system is undermining the electric grid.
1: Okay, that's interesting, you made a note about the um, electricity generator and uh, that's a very common trend here and um, I get really pissed off. I I get really, really pissed off when the sound of the generator because it's so deafening and like it rattles my mind actually. And um, it's, I I think somehow it's getting a little bit um, better, but um, sometimes yeah, it will take one step forward and like maybe two steps backwards. So, uh, but um, given the right leadership in place and the right mindset, I want to believe that um, we will uh, kind of take a step in the right direction, although uh, with the advent of the clean um, distributed um, renewable energy sources and also the upcoming SMRs that promises um, um, independent um, uh, distribution, and kind of micro grid kind of setting, maybe I believe we can get the right solution in this re- regard. So, in in your book, you really talked about um, different countries and um, how they actually suffer. And you kind of deliberated on this um, uh, uh, on India as well. You talked about how they also um, went through the same challenge. So, when you compare these countries, like. Uh, do you have any kind of um, maybe improvements improvement from when you wrote this book up till now? Like when you look back to the current situation in these countries, you know, I've heard of your position on, on Nigeria's um, case, but uh, I wouldn't know in other parts of the world where they suffer so the same thing, like what is the situation at this point if you may want to make some comparative? Sure. Yeah.
0: Sure. Well, uh, it's interesting you ask that because I just have written a piece uh, just recently about what's going on in Lebanon. And okay. uh, it's a failed state. Uh, Lebanon is in a economic and political and, and energy crisis that is due, frankly, to just generational corruption. And it has gotten so bad that, in fact, even the hospitals don't have enough electricity to to keep their generators. they don't have enough fuel, uh, liquid fuel, diesel fuel to keep their own generators running. So it is a, just a, 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 a an unfortunate but a very clear example of how societal, the lack of societal integrity undermines the electric grid and hurts the people. And in fact, it's going to end up with a lot of people in Lebanon dead because of they're medically fragile, they can't get medical care. Uh, we're even seeing some of this in Louisiana, where, you know, where the, here in the U.S., where we had a big hurricane hit New Orleans and uh Uh, central louisiana and there are problems there with people dying from carbon monoxide poisoning from their generators i mean this is a very serious problem but it it, it indicates the essentiality of electricity to our lives and to uh, uh to everything that we do Okay, so I you have highlighted a very important point of the essentiality of
1: electricity to our life. That is no brainer. Everybody knows it is very important. Like, if you bring electricity to a remote village in Nigeria, where they have not had it all the while, they always attest to uh, how beneficial it is to their lives. Like they always say it is very important, like the have always longed for it so um in writing this book um i know it is very important to have electricity what uh what did you aim to achieve did you just wanted to highlight how essential it is and maybe i don't know like what's what was your aim in writing this book what did you aim to achieve? Well, it was in a, the, long a,
0: run. Th- the simplest way. The simplest way to Jeremiah to put it would be: I wanted to look at the world through the lens of electricity. I wanted to use electricity as a way to see the world, right, and to define the world in in just through that very simple commodity, right? Who has it? Who doesn't? And why? And so that was my goal, and I think we accomplished it pretty well. And we did a very similar thing with the the film that we produced, "Juice: How Electricity Explains the World." talking to people around the world about what electricity means to them and how, you know, and whether they have it, whether they don't have it and, and the results of, in their own lives about what that, you know, the results of that. So, um, uh, that was the aim. And I think it was successful. And, and what's been interesting then since then is that we've had blackouts. I live in Texas. We've had blackouts here. We've had blackouts in California, and it's largely due to the, the lack of integrity of the system, the political system, the, the regulatory system failed the public and they had they paid a very heavy price 700 people died in Texas in February because of this uh, winter storm that happened and many of them died simply because of the failure of the electric grid
1: okay now i quite understand the the problems that comes with um lack of electricity and um, maybe intermittent supply of it so but uh, Going forward, you have enjoyed the society where uh, they have some elegant structures in place to take care of some emergencies and maybe when there is a shortfall, you kind of try to uh, make up for it through some alternative means. Uh, I wonder, like, uh, given your developments in, um, in your space, you must have uh, known how the progress um, went from lack of electricity to its abundance at this point. Do you think there is um, a way we can model your level of progress to replicate the same or maybe how to contextualize it? Because uh, you tend to like focus in more on um, corruption, but uh, I think it's more than corruption we need to actually look at, because I know it's not um, location specific, it's, it's everywhere, kind you of, know, but at uh, the level it differs at those places, so what we think, I think there are some things that need to um, maybe be done in addition to just focusing on corruption, uh, to getting people actually maybe maybe sure. come up to light in your in your vision of electricity to the eyes of electricity well let yeah.
0: me well, well 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 sure so well let me since you want to talk about nuclear and your <clears throat> given the name of your podcast i would say well let me let me just kind of think about those things for a time. I was about coming to that but it's good you do that yeah go, go view, ahead. A- I think the challenge for Africa, the challenge for any country that wants to adopt small modular reactors or even larger reactor, what are the issues that they have to have? Well, I've talked about the societal integrity, right? You have to have a system where people believe in the system. You have to have a, a society where people believe that things are going to work and that they, that it works for them. Otherwise they steal the electricity, et cetera. But the challenge I think in particular, when it comes to nuclear and the development of nuclear is that you need a strong, not only do you need the strong society underneath it, you need universities that have that can turn out the the kinds of engineers that are going to be required to make the the systems work, you need uh, infrastructure that can handle the spent fuel, you need cranes, you need all these other pieces of hardware, things that are physical and things that are mental, and it it all has to come together. And so my hope is that this next generation of nuclear reactors that would be smaller, safer, cheaper, easier to build easier to locate, that those will be designed in a way that they can be deployed all over the world, including Nigeria, including sub-Saharan Africa, all over the world where the local people can manage them and have the infrastructure to make that happen. And that's, that's what I'm very hopeful of. But I think that having said that, I think for in the near term for countries like Africa, for a lot of the countries in Africa now that have found huge natural gas deposits, they're going to have to use natural gas in the meantime. There's just not, they, they, you know, that it's a very abundant resource. It's in, in particularly in Nigeria, um, and you need to be using more of that to produce electricity. Cool. So,
1: um, do you think uh, the human resource um, uh, um, base load that is needed? knowledge levels that need to be because i i don't think it requires any rocket science because some countries that don't even have um, that much um, human resource are able to actually get these things done so uh, do you think uh, maybe the human capacity needs to be developed in a special way to get this thing done
0: well i think it's going to be it's going to require a lot of things including you know universities that are going to be you know able to have the programs, the engineering programs that are going to turn out the people that are going to be able to work in these facilities right that that not just in the nuclear plants but in the regular generation plants as well. so you know i, I I'm not familiar with Nigeria's higher education system, but I know you have universities and those universities need to be able to to produce the kind of uh, skilled laborers, engineers, mechanics, um, uh, technicians, mathematicians, all these people that are going to need to, Operate the, the 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 grid infrastructure to make it work, and then you're going to have to have people then that work on the collection side that collect the bills because the the thing that makes electricity flow is money everywhere, always, yeah. and you have to have stable supplies of money.
1: So, uh, what do you think is because? Uh, U.S. Is a, is a leader in nuclear technology, they have a number of fleets, although uh, um, there are concerns about their new builds at this time, but um, if you want to look back at the history of U.S. being um, an energy anal- analyst for a very long time, what do you think was, like, uh, what helps to shape them into the way they became, like, to become the leader? Like, what was the thing that helped the U.S. to, to assume this position, apart from being a world leader? Well,
0: I- Sure. Well, it was clearly the government. It was clearly, okay. in in fact, it was the U.S. military, right? That, the, that civilian nuclear energy developed out of the U.S. military, and that was the basis of, you know, that was from where it came. So that was, and, you know, this was in the wake of World War II. The government had a lot of money. They had a lot of technicians, a lot of people with technical know-how. So then, you know, as the early 1950s, we saw the deployment of the first commercial nuclear reactor in shipping port, Pennsylvania, so that but that was a direct outgrowth of the military programs. And so, um, you know, that is the difference now is that the 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 companies that are trying to develop new nuclear technologies, new nuclear reactors, they're all private companies, they're not, but they're going to this is the this is the this is the the key that is the, the 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 way you have to thread the needle, as we say here in the US, you're going to need strong private uh, companies that have a lot of money to be able to develop these new reactors, and you need strong government oversight, you need both.
1: So um, when you were going around gathering the information to make this movie, sorry, I kind of like um, really focused on this, your movie and the book. It really interests me a lot. So I I really wanted to kind of get some details of um, how you uh, really got to. Give us this wonderful piece of um, um, uh, content which we are enjoying today. So uh, you went to different countries, a lot of them. So did you kind of spot some um, areas where they need some specific kind of um, energy source, like uh, maybe this area, we need, this country, we need some um Ratio of um, nuclear in combination with other sources, because these days we are talking about the climate goal and um, uh, climate change and how to adapt and also mitigate the climate effect. So I wonder, like um, uh, you are propon- proposing some natural gas to some countries in Africa that have also that have discovered this um, natural resource, but uh, in the face of climate goal, where they want to decarbonize or go um, no fossil, I wonder if you like. Discover some niche areas or niche countries that will have some specific um, kind of electricity source to supply to their grid. Like maybe this country will be more suitable for coal, like, and then some other country more suitable for natural gas. Maybe 80 to 20 with um, nuclear. Did you have any kind of um, view, or did you catch any kind of um, sure. such kind of idea? Yeah
0: yes um in short the answer is yes um okay. and it, electric grids are also very local right you know so where what works in say a state in the united states like wyoming where there's a lot of coal well they're gonna mine coal and they're gonna use coal in the power plant right but when we went to iceland a country that doesn't have coal but they have yeah. tremendous hydro resources and a huge geothermal, geothermal resources. Yeah. so. And so in Iceland and in in Africa, uh, one of the countries that has a tremendous geothermal potential is Djibouti um, and oh, Kenya, hey. right? So, yeah. so that's where you know that this everything is local. Well, that's definitely the case when it comes to electricity as well. So in Iceland, seventy five percent of their electricity comes from hydro; the other twenty five percent comes from geothermal. So in a matter of several decades they went from an economy that was completely dependent on diesel fuel or fuel oil to produce electricity which you're familiar with in nigeria of course they went from that completely to a uh, 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 zero carbon electricity from hydro and 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 geothermal but you can't do that everywhere you know you can't do it out in the you know the desert in arizona and here in the u.s or in the in the sahara you're there's no hydro there to make it work nor do you have the geothermal resources so these grids are very much about the, lo- the character of both the local geography and the low and what the land and the and the resources look like and the nature of the society in which you're building them grids are perfect a near perfect reflection of the societies they power
1: Good. so i'm uh, interested in conversation having makes me think about How nations became they are because of um, electricity. I kind of reasoned back to when I was in South Korea Uh, in the 1970s. They had their first nuclear power plants, and it was a major impetus to their economic growth. And um, it really um, confirms your um, your vision of the world through the eyes of electricity. It's really a great um, uh, uh, accelerator of progress and economic um, uh, development as well so i wonder um, given these days uh, where there are different things people are looking at and uh, different economic indicators of growth like some people that have natural resources some other people so it really points to the. To the fact that people really need some enablers to get them to where they are going. So when they try to like make some um, traditional ways of getting or generating energy, then this climate, um, uh, uh, kind of climate change issue is now at the front burner. So, kind of, what is your advice to these new countries that are like looking at how to get a very strong base load? What is your advice to them in the in the view of uh, climate uh, change? What is your best advice to new countries that are trying to develop um, the electricity grid and make it very strong
0: well I, you know uh, so let, let's be clear here's here's some you know as this white guy in texas what does he know right you know it's the, it's the you know the, the the my advice is that the local communities you know governments state governments national governments they have to they they will and always act in their own self-interest okay right? so you mentioned climate change yes climate change is a concern it is not the only concern sure and so for a country like nigeria where you have plentiful natural gas well well damn it use your natural gas and 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 produce power with it right um i like that damn it (laughs) (laughs) well goddamn right yeah Yeah. use it (laughs) there's there's you the economic development is is should take a priority and it always does I mean I've I've written about this many times when countries are in you know politicians when individuals are faced with that choice between economic development economic growth or just getting dinner on the table they're always going to make their own self-interest first and the climate change issues come second so we need to get rich first. We, I'm using the we, is like all 7 billion of us and all 3 billion of us on the planet that don't have enough electricity. We so you're kind of saying, so we can. Yeah, you know, climate so change can be better should be prepared second for okay. climate change. All right, all right.
1: So, uh, and we, we can burn all the coal or burn all the natural gas or the fossils to get to that um, rich status before we start thinking of <laughs> how to um, think of the climate is that fair sir
0: well i think that that's that, that, that that's inevitable i mean you okay. know, if you have if, if your child is sick and you need to take them to the hospital okay you know, are you going to worry about the climate change or are you going to get in the nearest car the nearest task taxi cab it doesn't matter to you how much pollution attack you have a thing you've got to get your child to the doctor so this is where this idea about oh well we need to take
1: Okay, so um, being a journalist for such a very long time, and you've been working on um, um, energy you've written in different um, media outlets like Forbes and New York Times, this brings a lot of um, challenges and also commendations and maybe condemnations uh, alongside. Uh, have, have you been able to keep up with the um, on the undulating platform you may have experienced in this journey of being... The kind of um pressing or the career you are doing at this point
0: so your question is how do i how, i mean how did you navigate your space and
1: like carry on to be uh keep your motivation on given the challenges and everything that comes well, with it
0: well thank you that's <clears throat> the question i i it's a question that I I, you know, I grapple with, that I struggle with, because I'm trying to figure out, well, what's my purpose, right? But I think part of what my purpose here in this life, what years I have left, I care about these issues. I care about the human issues when it comes to energy and power, and this is one of the things that I think I'm just called to do, right? That this is what I'm supposed to do. And so it's hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes to just stay at it, but, you know... <laughs> What else am I going to do? I mean, I have. I, this is something that I care about, and that I have seen that people's lives be deprived because they didn't have enough electricity. I've seen them live in poverty. I'm in going to India. I've seen poverty that I never imagined in my life. That's what keeps me going. Is that wow. I, you know, I'm, 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 I know how to make a very simple spreadsheet. I know how to write a little bit. Well. Here's what it is. This is how I see it. And we need to be very clear headed and rational about how we approach these things, because the situation in Texas, the situation here in the United States is very different from the situation in Nigeria and in Kenya and in Mozambique and in in in, in uh, you know, in in Pakistan and and elsewhere. Those countries are going to do what they need to do. And if we can help if the U.S., And other richer countries can help by developing new technologies, such as small reactors that can help bring more people out of the dark and into the light. Then that's what I'm all about. I'm all for it cool. Great. So,
1: um, Robert Bryce, uh, I have had a very interesting and intriguing conversation with you. You've that uh, great um, um, wealth of knowledge, camaraderie uh, organization, and you've really um, given us quite a lot of information. And the content of your um, uh, career is really a great treasure to developing countries and those that want to develop um, electricity through um, n- n- nuclear and natural gas. So I would like to hear from you like um, if you have any um, strong words of um advice or caution or maybe that you would like to give to countries that are yet to actually come to limelight in terms of electricity i know you've been talking about the government and i think there should be some really actionable steps apart from because the government is so um kind of uh, so so broad maybe you have some way of um focusing on some more priority areas you have anything like that as we conclude
0: well, I guess my only concluding ideas would be that electricity is the key commodity that if if it is everywhere all over the world, without exception, electricity means uh, prosperity. And without hmm. it, there is no prosperity. Prosperity drives electricity use. Electricity drives prosperity. They go hand wow. in hand. So um, that, uh, to me, the, the for governments, for local governments, for individuals, Y- 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 go for it. G- get the electricity you need, and 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 make, and it will improve your life. But um you know, beyond that, I you know, I don't have
1: much wisdom. And get it, and get it before <laughs> I'm thinking, thinking of, of climate change. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, look, I mean, yeah. exactly. I mean, you know, that for for people who are living in dire poverty, climate change is not their first concern, and and true, true. It should not be. True. That's, That's very true.
1: true. Very correct very correct so uh, like just the last word you've told us about your motivation caring for the poor and the needy and stuff like that what's the rituals you adopt like because you you're so pro- I cons- it's like a big heavy producing machine like your content are like everyday I keep getting new information from different um, sources about um, your publication like what keeps you going like like in the last one maybe you have some some catalysts I would say as you said Nigeria catalyze you to write the question of power so like what catalyzes you on your daily routine <laughs> that's, that's interesting, interesting. That's, that's great, great. so uh, coffee a, that's, that's great, 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 great great wonderful no i mean it's, co- it's
0: coffee and 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 it's and it's want to right you know that uh, when i was a kid there was a there was a you know fishing right you know there was a fishing guide when i grew up in oklahoma and there was a fishing guide and they the, the people would say to him well how do you become a good fisherman and his name was joe krieger and he said you get up early stay late and keep that line in the water Wow. so That's great.
1: Do you have any mentors <laughs> so early, or kind yeah, of? I stay
0: late and I, tr- I try and keep the line in the water.
1: That's great. Wonderful. Any kind of uh, maybe mentors or people that you've like looked up to that help to guide your focus as you continue in your journey? Anything well,
0: like that? Like, you know, I, re- I think of my dad a lot, you know, my okay. dad had a very strong, my father did, had a very strong work ethic and he really instilled that in me. And then my mother instilled this idea that, well, there's a right way to do things and right. do it the right way all and right. so those are the things that come to mind
1: all right so robert bryce it's been a pleasure talking with you and i hope i will have some other time to interact with you more on some more specific areas i just got to know about you and it's so mind-blowing to know uh, and also interact with such a great personnel uh, like you and uh, i am very much hoping that our listeners will be very much intrigued and enriched by today's uh, meeting. And I'm looking forward to speaking with you again. Thank you so much. Well,
0: that's very kind. Thank you. Well, send me send me a note when the, you publish the podcast. I'll put sure. it on my newsletter.
1: All right. Sure. I'll do that. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Okay. See right, next thank time. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah.